Uh, you get to be blessed today. I told my wife not to preach me out of a job because my wife's definitely the better half. How many know that to be way true? <laughs> Everyone else like, no hesitation. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I know it. I know it. I know it. Um, and if you don't know that about your spouse, why don't you go spend an hour or a couple days with God and you'll find out. Um, you know, my wife is someone who doesn't just talk about these things, you know, prepare some cleverly crafted sermon. My wife lives this day to day. As many of you know, she's the one who led me to Christ. And she was an early mentor in my life. And uh, still, um, we mentor each other. We're in a partnership. Um, we're in a marriage. We love each other. And um, I've asked her to share um, on spiritual warfare and others have as, as well. Um, because of her giftings, and how many like hearing from Jody? Yeah, amen. Let's hear it for her. Come on up, babe. Good morning. How are you guys doing? How many are happy about snow? So pretty. I don't like, I know some of you are booing. Repent. No. Uh, um, today, I'm going to be talking about something that is probably not the first thing that I would have wanted to have talked about, <clears throat> because as you know, usually when you teach about something, you have to live it too. So uh, I can just let you know that I have had a hellish week, actually a hellish month. I don't say that to, to engender any kind of uh, sympathy, but just to tell you that my next sermon will be on what to do with too much the problem with prosperity. So <laughs> I'm willing to go through it. So uh, I'm going to do a teaching. It's going to be what's called a topical study. You know, there's, a, there's expository teaching, which means you take a passage of the Bible and then you expose the things that are in it and all of the little different nuances. Because the Bible is so incredible and so amazing. And every time I come into it, I marvel that God knew exactly what I was going through and he put it in there. And sometimes it seems like, doesn't it seem like when you read the Bible, sometimes you're like, when did he put this verse in here? Like, like you just slipped that one in there. I've read this same chapter 1400 times and suddenly it's new. So hopefully this morning I will be able to bring some new light on a topic that is actually not even, I mean, the words spiritual warfare are not actually even in the Bible, but it is definitely a reality and it's a principle. And as I started to study this subject, I realized, wow, this is a jam-packed topic. There is so much in the Bible about this and about the demonic world and about Satan and about all kinds of stuff that we would probably prefer to, to really not have to think about. But Jesus said that we are, we are not supposed to be unaware. We are supposed to be wise. Wise as serpents and innocent as doves. So um, have you, any of you ever felt like you were under attack? Yeah? You ever felt like you just kept hitting a wall? Even, even though you were really trying your hardest and doing as much as you knew to do? Any of you ever hit a wall? Yeah? You ever felt like everything was against you despite your best efforts? Yeah? Well, the Bible says that we have an enemy of our souls, an evil one who has come to steal, he's come to kill, and he's come to destroy. So hopefully today I'll be able to bring you a little bit of clarity about this battle. But the first thing that I need to make sure that you understand is that we do not need to fear. The Bible says 366 times that we should not fear. Okay, That's once for every year, including leap year, and then some. <laughs> we do not need to fear. We need to respect and fear God. Not be like, oh, scared of God. Although we probably, you know, he's the one who can cast our soul into hell. That's what the Bible says. Don't fear the one who can destroy your body, but rather fear the one who can 
send your soul to hell. So we're not going to focus on that so much today, but I would like to start out, if you, I I know y'all settled in and y'all sat down, but I would just like, first of all, I would like you to stand up again, if you can. Okay. Consider it your weekly workout. And um, I would like to read this prayer together from 1 Chronicles 29, verses 11 and 12. And I would like you to read this from the depth of your soul and really let the words permeate you. So this is taken, this is taken from 1 Chronicles 29. It's the New Living Translation. So can we read this together and declare it? This is truth. You know what? The enemy is so mad at me. He does not want me to talk about this today. So let's declare truth together. Can we? Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Amen. Can we applaud the Lord? We bless you, Lord. Yours is the power and the might, Lord. You alone control all things. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You can be seated. Colossians uh, chapter 2, verse 9 says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. As Eric mentioned, Jesus became one of us. He went through everything that we go through. He was despised. He was rejected. He is a man of sorrows. He is acquainted with our grief. He knows everything we have been through. But in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ. You are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Amen. Isaiah 45, verses 5 through 7, it says, I am the Lord and there is no other God. I have equipped you for battle, though you don't even know me. So all the world from east to west will know there is no other God. I am the Lord. There is no other. I create the light and make the darkness. I send good times and bad times. I, the Lord, am the one who does these things. I am the Lord. There is no other. You know, in in the Hindu religion... They worship 333 million different gods. How confusing would that be? (laughs) I mean, that's a lot of gods. Little g gods, right? Idols, false idols. We worship the true and living capital G God, and there is no other. We will not become gods. We can become more Christ-like. We can become more like God. But we ourselves will never become gods, but we are made complete because of our relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen. So in this, in this particular passage in Isaiah 45, it says, I create light and make darkness. I send good times and bad times. What? Why would God do that? You know, in Hebrews 12, it says that we should endure hardship as a discipline. So when these bad things happen to you, don't always attribute everything to the evil one. Because sometimes the Lord is disciplining us. And I don't mean discipline as in he's punishing us because he's ticked off. He's disciplining us as in, uh, you know, doing wind sprints or, you know, uh, working out or doing drills or whatever to prepare for a particular sport. Or like for soldiers, they go through basic training to prepare themselves in case they they go to war. It's that kind of discipline. And the Lord says, endure hardship as discipline. Because when we're disciplined by the Lord, that's evidence 
that we belong to him. So don't rebuke whatever's happening to you, just assuming that because it's not the way you want things to be, that it's automatically satanic or demonic, okay? Be humble before the Lord and ask the Lord, God, is this from you? Is what I'm going through discipline or is this a spiritual attack? So don't wage war against what the Lord might be doing in your life. Okay, so we establish that we are complete because of our union with Christ. If you know him, if you have come under the protective umbrella of who Jesus Christ is because you have had a revelation of the forgiveness of sins that he offered on the cross, you are complete and you have all authority. Amen? I'm so happy about that. I don't have to fear. There is an enemy who has come to steal and kill and destroy. He's come to steal my finances, steal my joy, right? He's come to kill my relationships, to kill my hope. He's come to destroy whatever good thing that I want to produce in my life. He's come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I think that if Jesus talks about anything, we should probably understand it. And Jesus talks about the enemy. And I'm going to get to a bunch of the passages that he discusses, but we should know our enemy, right? You know, it's like, I'm sorry to use sports analogies, but I love sports. And (laughs) hallelujah. (laughs) Yes, brother, I agree. Um, You know, anytime you're going to play a sport against another team, it's always a good idea to send a scout or to go scout or to watch, you know, watch tapes of them, uh, recordings of them, how they play, what their weaknesses are, so that you can come up with a strategy, right? It's always better to go into any kind of a competition understanding what your opponent's weaknesses are. Or in battle, you know, you see these war movies and they're discussing the enemy and what they have and what the strategy is. In the same way, when we enter into a spiritual battle, we should know our enemy. Not personally, I'm not talking about like hanging out with him, but I'm saying we should understand him. <laughs> so if you would turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. This doesn't mean great like, wow, he's so great. This is like, he's huge and massive and he's great, not as in good. Okay, so watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong. Read this together. In your faith. Be strong how? Yeah, not in your own ability. I I would not even attempt to take on a demonic entity in myself. First of all, because you can't see them, and so you don't really know what they're up to. But you can sense them. But that's why we pray for a spirit of discernment. We pray that the Lord would give us discernment so that we can stand firm in our faith that Jesus Christ has overcome all of it. He has overcome sin. He's overcome death. He's overcome the, the realm of darkness. Revelation 12, 9. This is so awesome. It says, And the great dragon was thrown down, the, the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. His angels are demons, okay? You guys know that, right? Okay. So they're not like, like the angels, you know, that are cute. They're not cute. <laughs> I don't really know that all, any angels are really cute, but um, they're beautiful. But it says that his angels were thrown down with him, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before the throne of God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore, because of this, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, 
because he knows that his time is short. Yes, woo! Shout out. (laughs) He's the accuser. When I first read that, it says that he is constantly accusing, day and night, before the throne of God. He is constantly accusing. He's accusing you. Because the thing is, he, he knows the things you've done in the past. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your tendencies. And he wants to use them against you. So he stands right, well, you know, Jody, she's... I mean, he doesn't say this about you. He says this about me. But, you know, he knows, he knows my stuff. And he stands there and he reminds God. But Jesus went to the cross and paid the penalty for our sins so that the Lord has cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. So you know there's no, where does east start? Where does west start, right? You know, north and south have a beginning and end, but east and west don't. And Jesus, the Lord, has cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. But the enemy wants to continue to remind God of our wretchedness. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. You know, the longer that you walk with the Lord, the more removed you become from, from the person that you were. I mean, of course, we still struggle against sin. We still have this body of death. But it becomes less and less our identity. But the enemy wants us to keep going back there. He wants us to keep thinking that that's really who we are. But we are born again. When we know Christ, when we have a revelation of his forgiveness, we are born again. The old is is dead, right? But the enemy wants to keep saying, oh, well, Jody, she was a drug dealer. She was a compulsive liar. She was a kleptomaniac. She was, well, he doesn't even use it in the past tense. He uses it in the present. He's accusing, he's accusing um, 1 John 3, 8 says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's the reason that Jesus came, to destroy the works of the devil. And 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen 14 says, Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. It's no wonder that his, his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. So he is cunning. Satan has been cunning since the very beginning. He's been sly. He's not omniscient. Don't attribute the characteristics of God to the evil one. He doesn't know everything right? But he knows enough about our nature. He knows enough about our weaknesses. He knows enough about our past to try to use it against us. But he also comes disguised as a beautiful angel of light. Because otherwise, we would not be deceived by him. We would not believe his press, right? So that's just a little snapshot of who who the enemy is. He is completely disgusted with us. He hates us. He wants us dead. He wants to silence us. He wants to create divisions among believers. He wants to put lying thoughts into our minds. But if we understand who he is, then we will be more aware of his plans. And the only way that we really can understand who he is, is through what does the Bible say about it? Don't make up stuff in your own mind. Or don't, don't go to Hollywood to get your idea of who Satan is. Go to the Word of God. Okay? It's important for us to know the nature of the battle, right? In Job chapter 1, starting with verse 6, it says, Then the day came for the heavenly beings to appear before the Lord, and Satan was there among them. The Lord asked him, What have you been doing? And Satan answered, I have been walking here. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's my best, my best demon voice. Um, he actually probably doesn't talk like that because he's an angel of light. So he says, I've been walking here and there, roaming around the earth. Did you notice my servant Job, the Lord asked? 
There's no one on earth as faithful and as good as he is. He worships me, and he's careful not to do anything evil. Satan replied, would Job worship you if he got nothing out of it? You've always protected him and his family and everything he owns. Duh. You bless everything he does. You've given him enough cattle to fill the whole country. But now. (laughs) Suppose you take away everything he has. He will curse you to your face. All right, the Lord said to Satan, everything he has is in your power, but you must not hurt Job himself. So Satan left. Okay, the Bible has this in here as a worst-case scenario. Just so you know, you do not need to fear. You're probably not going to go through what Job went through. But if you go on and read this story, it says he lost literally everything. He was wealthy. He lost all of it. He lost all of his children. I think it was 10 children. He had bad breath. He had all sores and all kinds of horrible things. But did he curse God? Did he? No. He continued to bless God, even though he was kind of like, oh, what is going on here? I do not understand. What did I do wrong? And isn't that the first place we always go when we go through something? Did I do something wrong? What did I do? Sometimes it's the Lord disciplining us, but sometimes it's just the enemy trying to have at us. Right? But we don't need to fear. This, the, the Lord is for us. Like that song we sang, God is good all the time. Well, half of you sang it. The other half weren't in here yet, but <laughs> half of us sang it. Okay, so what are some of the ways that the Lord has allowed Satan access to us? Or what are some of the ways that the enemy can get to us? First one is spiritual opposition. Just plain old opposition where you just feel like you're hitting against the wall. 1 Thessalonians 2, 18 says, this is Paul talking, he says, we wanted very much to come to you, and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. So sometimes he even has control over things in the natural. He is the prince of this world. He is the prince of darkness. Sometimes he can, he can stop things from happening, sometimes circumstantially. Another way that he can get to us is through lies and deception. John 8, starting with verse uh, 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants, and yet we've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say we'll become free? They're Jewish, so. And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin, of sin, I'm sorry. The slave, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will what? If the son makes you free, you will be free. Okay, so first of all, it says, this, he's talking to the Jews who were believers. So they believed that he was their Messiah, right? But look at verse 33. They said, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been enslaved to anyone. You're like, what? Have you not read the Torah? Have you not read your history? You have been enslaved for centuries, Right? If you read through it, I mean, the whole, the whole point of Exodus is they were trying to come out of slavery, right? They were enslaved, but the enemy doesn't want us to think we've been enslaved. The enemy doesn't want us to believe what is true. He wants to diminish the power of God in our lives by lying to us and deceiving us, by telling us things like, it doesn't matter if you watch a little porn. It's a big deal. You're not really actually having adultery. Or he tells us, it doesn't matter if you smoke a little weed. You're not hurting anyone, right? Or, yeah, it doesn't matter if you tell a little lie. It's 
just a little lie. It's not a big lie. Or it doesn't matter if I gossip about someone, right? I mean, I'm not saying it to them. I'm not going to hurt their feelings. Isn't that how he works? He gets us to justify our own sinful nature, our own behavior with his lies and deception. He wants to deceive us. He does not want us to believe the truth of who God is or of who we are and our standing in Christ. If the Son makes us free, we'll be free indeed. Further down in that chapter, John 8, 42, Jesus told them, if God were your father, you'd love me because I have come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you're the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. And isn't it true that sometimes when we read the Bible and we read about what the Lord says about us, that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that we're precious and honored in his sight, and that he loves us with an everlasting love, and that he's forgiven everything, we read it and we don't believe it. Why is that? Why? Because we have an enemy who wants to deceive us. He wants to lie to us. He wants it to make us think that the Bible and the promises of God are true for everyone else, but not for you. You've done too much. You've gone too far. It's true for them. It's true for all of you all, but it's not true for me. Isn't that what the enemy of our souls wants us to believe? So that we cannot be free indeed? So that we will be bound by our past, by our history, by, by our natural tendencies, by our flesh? So this one is in line with that. Another way that we, that we engage in spiritual warfare is through accusation. Isaiah fifty four seventeen. But in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken it. No weapon formed against us will prosper. No weapon turned against you will succeed. Nothing that the enemy says about you will succeed. And conversely... Anything that you say against another believer is a weapon formed against them. And if you are saying things about other believers, if you are gossiping or criticizing or judging, you will not prosper. If your words are used as a weapon against another believer, you will not prosper. It's so hard not to gossip sometimes, isn't it? I just want to bring a little bit of clarification here too. Just because you say something about someone that may not be the most positive thing, it doesn't necessitate that it's gossip. But what determines whether something is gossip or not is whether it is solutions-oriented or not. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? If the reason that you're sharing something with someone is because you want to restore someone or you want to bring reconciliation or healing to them, that is very different than just sharing it for the sake of sharing it or putting, putting somebody down. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay, good. Okay, another way that we endure spiritual warfare is through temptation. You know, the enemy wants to cause us to sin. 
He's the prince of the darkness. He wants us to do things that we want to keep hidden in the dark. He wants us to do things that keep us from walking in the light, right? He wants to torment us. He wants to accuse us. He wants to torment us. He wants to discourage us. Everything contrary to who God is, that's what the enemy wants to do. And when he tempts us, once again, he's lying to us by saying, come on, just do this. Just do this. Just, just drink a little too much wine because it's not that big a deal. Come on. It's going to help you forget your problems for a little while. Or, I, I know I'm flirting with that guy at work, but I mean, I'm not actually like doing anything with him. It's just a little, little flirtation. It's not a big deal, right? The enemy wants to tempt us because he wants us to be completely destroyed in our effectiveness and in our joy and in, in our ability to really sense the presence of the Lord. In Luke 10, verse 17, it says, when the 72 disciples returned, 72, you're like, what? I thought there were only 12. But <laughs> it says, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Woohoo! Jesus says, yep. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions. Why would you want to do that? But anyway, you could walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. We've been given all authority to overcome all of his evil schemes, but don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And you know, one of the things that the enemy loves to use in people who are religious, he loves to use self-righteousness and pride. I'm pretty much doing everything right. I'm not really sinning. Yeah, you are. <laughs> that attitude right there. <laughs> so be careful. You know, there's that... There's that fine balance. Know who you are in Christ. Hebrews 2 verse 14 says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Another way that we can engage in a spiritual battle is through our own sinful behavior, through opening up ourselves to demonic influences. And do not think the enemy will not come in if you give him an opportunity. Again, I do not believe the Bible makes a case that you can be demon-possessed if you are filled with the Holy Spirit. I do not believe you can be possessed but you certainly can be oppressed. You can be tormented and taunted and deceived if you open yourself up. God's judgments are in all the earth. In the same way that gravity is a reality, whether we want to believe it or not, God's judgments are a reality, whether we want to believe them or not. And when we open ourselves up by the things that we do, by doing what we know we should not do, doing things or not doing what we know we need to do, or opening ourselves up to demonic things, going, maybe seeing movies that are demonically inspired, or, you know, I've already mentioned some other things, you know, porn or smoking weed or, you know, whatever, opening ourselves up to demonic influences. Why would you want to open yourself up to demonic influences? I, I, I want to say, so there are, there are, Different things that you can open yourself up to through lust, through pride and self-righteousness, through a religious spirit, through gossip, through dishonest gain, you know, whether you're stealing or whether you're not paying what you should pay or whether you're cheating on your taxes or whatever. 
You know, all of these things open us up, but I think there's something that's even more hideous than these things. And that is unforgiveness. I have seen throughout the years the destruction and the damage that unforgiveness brings in the life of a believer. Because, you know, Jesus even says, you know the story about the the guy who was forgiven everything? It was like $42 million worth of a debt. And then he comes back and he tries to, you know, get the 30 bucks out of the guy that owed him. I mean, that's, how, that's, that's like the difference. And it says that you'll be handed over to the tormentor. You know, if we have unforgiveness, Jesus says in the same way that we've been forgiven, that's how we are supposed to forgive. I have seen so much destruction because of unforgiveness. In 2 Corinthians 2, 10 says, when you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit. So that, read this with me, Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Some versions say we are not unwise to his schemes. Satan can outwit us through unforgiveness through bitterness, when we hold something against someone else, when we rehearse that history over and over and over, what that person said to me and how they treated me and how they weren't respectful and how they weren't kind and, you know, or whatever. Even legit things, even actual sins against us, when we continue to hold on to that rather than giving it to the Lord and forgiving it, forgiving, that's what the word forgive means, to forgive, to give it over right? When we just continue to hold on to those things, we open ourselves to the enemy's schemes in our own lives. We open ourselves to destruction and deception. And again, forgiveness implies that there has been sin or, or the appearance of sin, maybe misunderstanding but it doesn't matter. There's only two things we can do with sin. Repent of our own and forgive the ones of others. There's no gray in there. Repent of your own and forgive others. If we don't forgive other people when we have been forgiven everything past, present, and future, we are opening ourselves up to the enemy's schemes. Whew. Quiet in here. I can tell you that I, I have been bound by unforgiveness in the past. And I have been someone who felt very justified in that because of what someone did to me. And I held on and I held on and I held on. And I can just promise you it opened me up to all kinds of demonic lies about myself and about other people. We don't want to be unwise to the enemy's schemes. He will use even sin that people have, that sins that people have committed against us to hold us captive. You know, when you, like Adam was talking about, they had... They rehearsed this. They rehearsed their music. So I heard someone say this week that when we rehearse our history over and over, we just get better at it. Don't we? When we rehearse how badly we were hurt by that person, we rehearse by you know, how much they have injured us and wronged us. We just reinforce it in our mind, and we just open ourselves up to the devil's schemes. So we need to know the strategy. The Lord has given us a strategy, how to combat the demonic, how to combat satanic offenses against us or satanic attacks against us that we do not need to fear. Some of our, some of our tactics or our strategies are offensive, but most of them are defensive. Um, 2 Corinthians 10, it says, we're human, 
But we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds or the okuroma. Um, this is, these are like fortresses that we build one brick at a time. Every time we give in, put in another brick, and it's building these fortresses. I was looking at pictures of this, and um, man, these are just these massive, massive walls that are built. And it says that we destroy the strongholds of human reasoning to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And after you have become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. James 4, 5 says, do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It has to be in that order. Just a clue. We are all going to be humble. Just do it voluntarily. (laughs) Much easier. Much less messy. (laughs) Don't make God have to take you through something to humble you. Humble yourselves before God. Because then, and only then, can you resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Your enemy, (gasps) the devil, prowls around seeking to devour. You know when you see the, the um, animal planet or whatever, and you see the attacks of the lions, you know, they lurk around, prowl, looking. They look for the weak ones and the slow ones, and they catch them. And it's dinner time, right? So don't be weak in your faith. Don't be the lame one. Be strong in your faith. Know that you have been given all authority because of your position in Christ. Know the word of God. Have I ever said this to you before? (laughs) Know the word of God. Don't be unaware of what God has said to you concerning his character and who you are in him. Um, You know, the, the most common passage talking about spiritual warfare is in Ephesians chapter 6. And I don't have time to go through the whole thing, but I'll just tell you this, that it says that having done all, we can stand. After we put on the full armor of God, we can stand. Having done all to stand against the schemes of the devil, to stand against the evil one. In in Exodus 14, it it says, stand then because... This battle is the Lord's. It's the, it's the Lord who has given us the authority. And the last point I want to make is don't try to do this by yourself. Don't go to war by yourself. Proverbs 20 verse 18 says, Plans succeed through good counsel, but don't go to war without the advice of others. Psalm 55, 18 says, He will redeem my soul in peace from the battle which is against me, for they are many who strive with me. God has provided the body of Christ as a protection for us. I'm going to make a shameless plug right here for our community groups. If you're not in a community group, get in one. It's a protection for you to be around other believers who can absolutely hear your story, and pray with you, and pray for you, and speak into your life, and say if they see something in you that's not right, and and support you, and love you. Eric and I can't do it for everyone. But that's why we have these community groups, so that you you can find life, and hope, and love, and fellowship. And I promise you that you will probably experience conflict if you are in one of these groups. You know, Jesus says, where two or more are gathered in my name, I will be there in the midst of them. 
uh, Dr. Tony Evans said that the reason that Jesus said that, he's like, hey, if you can find two or three Christians that can agree on anything, I want to be there in the midst of, <laughs> I got to see this. <laughs> I don't think that's what Jesus meant, but be involved with other believers. It's a safety for us. Serve other believers. Serve the body of Christ. Get involved in a Sunday service team or kids ministry or something. It's actually a protection for us. So I'd like to do a response time now. And, um, you know, I know that the devil is really not happy that you guys are hearing about this. He's not happy that I'm talking about it. But I just want to encourage you that if you've opened yourself up in any way to any kind of a demonic influence through your own choices, through disobedience, through rebellion, give yourself over. Give yourself over. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Don't make God humble you. Don't force him to have to do that. Don't be prideful. Humble yourself before him. Confess it. And if you don't know the Lord, if you have never had a revelation of the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offered on the cross, I just encourage you today, surrender. Humble yourself before God. You know, I've had people ask me to pray through the home of someone who doesn't believe in the Lord. I had a a friend of mine say, hey, will you come and pray through my neighbor's house? She's having all kinds of demonic things go on there. And I said, no, I won't. She was kind of offended. She's like, why won't you pray? And I said, unless that person knows Jesus and can stand firm in their position in Christ and is filled with the Holy Spirit, that demonic thing will just go get his seven brothers that are worse and come back wouldn't want to do that. So if any, if you have any unbelievers in your life, lead them to Christ. Present the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins and that they can be filled with the Holy Spirit and they can humble themselves and you can humble yourself and resist the devil. So if you've never, if you're one of those people who has never surrendered to God, I just encourage you today to do so talk to somebody around here that maybe somebody who brought you today so let's just go to the Lord in prayer and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have those two categories that I mentioned those of us who have opened ourselves up to demonic influences and those of us who have never come to know the Lord So, Lord, we're so grateful that you are all-powerful and you are mighty, mighty to save. God, we thank you that you hold all the authority, that you rule in majesty and justice. Lord, and we come to you, God, and we just confess that, Lord, we have sinned against you. We have opened ourselves up to demonic influences, Lord, by the things we've watched on TV, Lord, by the movies we've seen, by indulging in too much alcohol or drug use, by going to porn and using that as an escape, by gossiping, Lord. We've, we've lied. We haven't been honest, Lord. We've stolen, Lord. We've criticized. We've judged. God, and we've opened ourselves up. And we just come before you, Lord, and we we ask you for forgiveness. We ask that you would deliver us and set us free. And Lord, we ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. God, as we humble ourselves before you, Lord, that we could resist the devil. Lord, we could resist these temptations and these accusations, Lord. And that you would lift us up, Lord, and that you would protect us, God. 
we, we come before you and we thank you, Jesus, that you, your body was broken for us, that you became a man, and that you shed your blood on the cross for our sins. Lord, and we just want to submit to you, God. And, and Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself throughout this room. Reveal yourself, your forgiveness and your love. Lord, your word says that it is your kindness that leads us to repentance. So if there's anybody here and you have never surrendered to the Lord, you have never fully given yourself over to him, I just encourage you today, just if you would just raise your hand just between you and the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Just raise your hand as a sign that you want to receive everything God has for you, that you want to humble yourself before his mighty hand. You want to humble yourself, and you want to be able to resist the devil. You're sick of it. You're sick of being tormented. You're sick of being lied to and deceived. Is there anyone else? Over there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Well, God, we're so grateful. We're grateful that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. We're so grateful that you are so perfect in all your ways. And Lord, we just come before you as a church, Lord, the Adventure Church. We ask you, God, increase our faith. Increase our faith, Lord. We believe you. Help our unbelief, Lord. God, we want to trust you, Lord, and we thank you that you have, Lord, you have given us truth, Lord, and that when we know that truth, we can be set free. Lord, that the truth will set us free and we can be free indeed. And we're grateful, God. We give you honor and glory. We love you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Can you just applaud the Lord for his victory? We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you. We lift you up, Jesus. We lift you up. You alone. Amen. Amen. Well, have a happy Thanksgiving. I know this wasn't like your happy turkey day message, but give thanks to God in all circumstances. And next week, Eric is going to be talking about suicide. So it's a really timely and crucial message for us. So invite your friends, but more importantly, invite your enemies. (laughs) See you next week. God bless you.